Welcome to the sermon podcast of Faith Lutheran Church in Oregon, Wisconsin, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ crucified and the promises of God that our faith clings to. For more information, visit us online at faithlutheranoregon.com. Well, the joyful Rejoice Sunday to you all. Advent historically is a season of repentance, of waiting, of pulling back. And so this Sunday is the day to rejoice. Uh, the readings are a bit brighter, even the color is a bit brighter. It's meant to bring a, a little relief, a little rest. And so what a great day to look at the third commandment, where God actually commands us to rest. Now, it seems counterintuitive that God would actually need to command us to rest. You know, for all the talk about how lazy the modern generation is, it seems uh, that there's more work that we're all expected to do than ever before. If the newest headlines uh, the past couple of weeks about the great resignation uh, of a mass exodus of employees from their jobs is any indication, well, it seems we, we need to be told to rest especially around this time of year. You know, I don't know about you, but if I've had a busy week, which for Advent, this whole season is one for pastors, if someone tells me to, to take a break, well, I think, well, gee, thanks. Uh, I mean, especially around this time of year, probably for you as well, there always seems to be more on my to-do list. I can't take a, a break. I, I want to believe that I can accomplish it all, uh, to be a good husband, a good a father, a good pastor. But all of that really is my pride talking. The truth is I can't. I'm not Jesus. I'm not the creator. I can't be in two places at once. And when I'm serving as a husband or father, I can't be serving as pastor. When I'm serving as pastor, I can't be serving my family. But what I hope to show you this morning is that the day of rest that God talks about is something qualitatively different than simply taking a break, or vegging in front of the TV, or, or even taking a vacation. This rest is something far better. The Bible calls this a Sabbath rest. And John the Baptist ironically exemplifies this. You know, John is the hardest worker imaginable, the toughest person among men. Jesus calls him the greatest person born among women. But here he is in our gospel lesson in prison, a first century Roman prison. You know, if there's ever a place that you would need rest from, it's here. You know, but let me back up a little bit and explain the day of rest or the Sabbath day and what it actually means to keep it holy. The Sabbath day was the seventh day of creation. Uh, when God finished his work that he had been doing, his work of creation, and God rested not because he was tired, God didn't need a nap. And so God, when God tells us to, to keep the day of rest holy, to, to have a Sabbath day, he, he's not really talking about, well, just not working. What does it mean to keep it holy? Well, we're familiar with the term holiday. You know, sometimes around this time, Christians get upset when, when somebody says happy holidays. Uh, but what is a holiday? A holy day. We don't make days holy. The days are made holy by the word of God. 
And so traditionally, the holidays around this time would have been the 12 days of Christmas, you know, those, those days that you would actually be in church and receiving God's holy things, uh, the, the Christ Mass, the Lord's Supper. And so, you know, if you want to be really snarky uh, and somebody says to you, Happy Holidays, instead of saying Merry Christmas, uh, you can ask, Oh, did you read God's Word today too? That's supposed to be really funny. <laughs> now, we are not commanded anymore on a certain day to, to do this. That law was, uh, there was, that had to be on Saturday. That was for the Jewish people. And it was fulfilled when Jesus fulfilled all of his work on the cross completely. Uh, remember when Jesus said, it is finished. He's talking about all of his work, his work of redemption. And so the following day on the Sabbath day, what did Jesus do? Absolutely nothing. He rested completely uh, and perfectly fulfilled the Sabbath. And so the ceremonial law about not working on Saturday no longer applies. You can work on Saturday. But the moral aspect of this command still does. And this is the brilliance of Luther's small catechism, where he says, we should fear and love God so we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and holy, and gladly hear and learn it. And Luther points out in the large catechism that ideally we would do this every day. But, he says, since we live in the world, and since we actually do have responsibilities in this world, we can't really do this. We can't always make time for hearing God's word every day. And so Sunday, since the time of the apostles, look in Acts chapter 2, Sunday has been this day for Christians. So Luther points out that we appoint this day for the hearing of God's word. That's what it is for. But he also points out that holy days are needed by people who actually work, or rather, who are weary and burdened. Atheists don't need holy days. And they won't take them because they're trying to work as hard as they can because this world is all there is. But Christians, you and I, we need holy days. We need days where we can receive rather than give. And I think it's really encouraging uh, to see businesses that, that shut down on, on Sundays. You could, you could think of a few. The farm we got our Christmas tree from this year was such a place. They were closed on Sundays and holidays, and at first I was really annoyed because I wanted to get my tree. But it was way more encouraging. And so we went home, and then we came back a few days later. Now, Luther also says that this resting should not be strictly understood to, to forbid any work that comes up, which cannot be avoided, he said. So the biblical example of this is the, the parable of the Good Samaritan with a man literally dying on the side of the road and the two uh, priests pass by on the other side because what are they doing? They're going to church. And they think, well, that's the most important thing they could do. And so they pass by this man on the side of the road. And Jesus tells this parable to say that there are times where you may be forced to work rather than rest in God's word. And that's okay. But, and this is the problem that, that I have, too, is that in addition to the things that God has, has actually called us to, we don't avoid things that we should. And this way, the burdens and the loads that we end up having end up being self-inflicted. We labor for things that perish. 
We toil for things that vanish like the wind. We seek temporary worldly glory. And especially around this time of year, we run ourselves into the ground because we don't know how to rest. And so we never rejoice because we tie joy to my emotional state. But in this way, John the Baptist is the absolute role model. John's despairing in prison. He has no joy, at least he thinks. Jesus hears about him, and he asks the crowd about John. He says, what did you go out to see? Referring to, why did you go out to see John? A man dressed in soft clothing? Now, almost every translation of ours really makes this soft for our modern sensibilities. The word uh, for soft, or the Greek word for soft, is uh, malakois, or effeminate. In other words, to put it nicely, John doesn't like other men. He's not effeminate. He doesn't wear clothing that will attract other men. Every man who is not effeminate should aspire to be John the Baptist to not be a reed shaken by the wind, or to be swept away by whatever the world is. But the curse of the fall for men is that work is hard. And so rather than resting, we we play. You know, men especially have made a game out of this, a game out of our work. You know, we want to see who can work the hardest, who can be the best, at whatever sport, who can grow their little empire of fame and glory. And so we call busyness a virtue, and we think we're being tough. But just think about, all of you, think about the things in your own life that we do try to, trying to impress other men. You know, I, I can think of a few examples in our day that have become really toxic in in their demands of our time and our energy that we do purely to impress other men. Social media and how we present ourselves there. The commercial sports industry. The virtue signaling in our culture. Anything that you are doing where you're trying to prove yourself uh, to others how great you are or, or even to yourself how great you are. So every man, every Christian, should aspire to be John the Baptist, to be a man dressed in camel's hair, to not care what the rest of the world thinks about you, to not try to attract other men, but to do something that may actually get you thrown in prison or persecuted. You know, maybe losing that spot or that place you want. To form your life around the Word of God. Because, like John the Baptist, No matter how great you are among men, it doesn't matter apart from faith. To be the least in the kingdom of heaven is to be the greatest, greater than the greatest among men. And so, because you are persecuted, because you do the things that are opposite of what the world says you should do or thinks you should do, because your family hates you, because you're a Christian, your friends want nothing to do with you, you're going to have trouble. Atheists don't need holy days or Sunday mornings because they wear soft clothing 
and they live in kings' houses. But Christians wear their faith, and they may be thrown out of their houses because of it. And so, because it is tough to be a Christian, you may have the same doubts as John. Is this really worth it? Is it worth it? Is God real? Is he actually listening to my prayers? Is Christ the coming one, or should we wait for someone else? John needs rest, because he's worked hard and received seemingly nothing for it. And so it seems with us. Sometimes God may give us more than we can have. It is hard work to be a Christian. Jesus says to us, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. But John can't do that. He can't come to Jesus. He's in prison. And certainly there will be times in our own lives where we can't come to Jesus, where we can't come to receive his word and sacraments, where things come up that cannot be avoided, crosses and works that God places in our path come up. But what does John do from his dark cell? He sends two of his disciples to bring Jesus to him, to come to him. And this is exactly what Jesus does. Jesus sends back his word of comfort for John. And he does it in the same way that you receive it today, the same way that our shut-ins receive it, through messengers bringing his word to you, stewards of the mysteries of God, as St. Paul called them, calls us. Jesus knows exactly what John needs. He quotes from Isaiah chapter 61. The gospel is preached to the poor. But that's only half the verse. Jesus knows that John would have been able to fill in the rest by heart, which says this. He sent me, that's Jesus, he sent me to bind up the broken heart, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release for those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's faith. This is exactly meant for John, who is brokenhearted, who is bound, who is captive in prison, who is in desperate need of rest. Now, I think this is incredible. This is talking, Isaiah 61 is talking about the year of Jubilee. Uh, the year of Jubilee was an Old Testament thing uh, that it's a year that only happened once every 50 years. And why 50? The seventh day of the week was the Sabbath day. You know that. Uh, but every seven years, there was a Sabbath year. Now, seven times seven, 49 plus one, the year after seven times seven was the Sabbath of Sabbath of Sabbaths, the Sabbath year. A year completely dedicated to rest. Not just one day of the week, but every day of the whole year. During this year, the Israelites were not supposed to plant. They were not supposed to reap. They were not supposed to harvest. It was a time for the, the people, the, the, the land to rest. It was a time for the people to rest, for their families to return to them, for them to return to their families and their loved ones. 
a time when all the prisoners would be released, every debt forgiven, a praise for those of faint spirit, joy for those who mourn, and rest for those who were birthed. And counterintuitively, God promised that Israel, even in their resting, would be the richest and the most joyful they had ever been. They would receive double for everything, even in their resting. And Isaiah says, I will rejoice greatly. I will rejoice greatly in the Lord. My soul will celebrate because of my God. Jesus promised the Sabbath of Sabbaths for John. John may not feel very restful in prison. He may feel very weary and burdened, alone and tired, not so unlike us. But Christ, who is gentle and lowly, has come to John through his word to refresh and restore and forgive. And so Christ comes to you. Sometimes because of our vocation, we, we work while we rest. And the single parent struggling with the number of kids in the pew on Sunday morning is working incredibly hard. The spouse who comes to church alone, who spends the service praying, for their husband or wife. There's not a single one of us here who, even though we might not say it, who doesn't at some point wonder whether or not Jesus is actually the coming one because it certainly doesn't look like it in our own lives where God seems to give us more responsibilities than we can manage. But, unlike or but like John, this is work God has called you to and he promises to bless it. God has not called you to do everything. You do not need to be the best among men. The least in the kingdom of God is enough. And what you are unable to do, that Jesus will fulfill by his grace. You may not always be happy in your work, but you can rejoice in your rest that God gives you. So may we always welcome Christ to come to us, to advent to us in his word, and give us rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be, forevermore. Amen.